0: The following is a Frank R. Wilson presentation. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the Golden Age to present day, we've got it covered. We talk to those from the industry and learn about them and their favorite scores. Welcome to What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So let's take a look at the shelf of CDs and see what we're going to play today. was the opening gun barrel from Man with a Golden Gun, music by John Barry. Welcome to uh, this week's edition of What's the Score? We're uh, very excited about today's program. Not only do we have a great lineup of uh, cues from various movies that I think you'll enjoy, but we also have a special guest that will uh, be sharing with us a little bit about the Louisiana International Film Festival uh, taking place here in Baton Rouge uh, April 20th through the 23rd. But more importantly, which is really cool, uh, he is a, the uh, director of a new documentary called Score, which is a behind-the-scenes look at how movie scores are born and created and uh, and finally finished, to the finished product. Uh, interviews with lots of uh, well-known composers and other people that are involved in the industry, and I think uh, it's a film well worth watching. If you can make it to the film festival, that'd be great. Uh, If not, uh, it is going to have a limited release soon. But we'll talk more about that later. Let's go ahead and get on into the music right now. Uh, I like to try to feature different composers every week. uh, And this week is no different. I want to go back to a a very well-known piece by uh, Henry Mancini from a movie he did in the uh, 60s called, uh, uh, I think it was called Hatari. It took place in Africa. And there's a piece of music in that, a cue that... Uh, A lot of people are familiar with, but sometimes they don't know who wrote it or where it came from. I think when you hear it, you'll recognize it. Uh, This cue is called the Baby Elephant Walk. Sit back and enjoy music by Henry Mancini. Those of you who have listened to the program know I'm a big fan of Jerry Goldsmith, and I thought I'd play a couple of cues from uh, some films that he's done. Uh, I want to say both uh, from the uh, 80s. Uh, I haven't looked it up to be sure, but uh, the first one is called uh, Under Fire and had a uh, took place in, I think, Central America and had a really interesting sound and flavor to it. So we're going to play you the main title sequence from that. Uh, And also, uh, a cue the uh, main titles from an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Sorry, I don't do the voice very well. Um, Called Total Recall. And this had a really stirring uh, piece of music that opened the film, and I just loved it, and so I thought I'd share it with you today. So uh, sit back and relax. You're going to hear the main title sequence from both Under Fire and Total Recall, written by Jerry Goldsmith. fair i was having a discussion with our guest that you'll be hearing from in a moment we're talking about various composers and uh, one of which was thomas newman and i said i really like a lot of his music because he has a distinct sound and a different and a a distinct way that he likes to uh, approach scores Uh, but he's done the last two james bond films and i just wasn't it just didn't work for me uh, it's not that I don't like his music I just didn't like trying to uh, put that style into a Bond film I Just for me it didn't work for others it did uh, but there's many films that he's done where it has worked very well and I think the first one that I saw that exposed me to his, uh, his music and his sound was uh, American Beauty uh, a bizarre movie to say the least um, I guess a dramedy if you will but uh, it had so many kind of twists and turns and kind of unusual things about it and the music really fit well with the narrative uh, so you get a lot of great music all throughout the film but uh, we're just going to play the, the main title sequence uh, that introduces uh, the film and I think you'll really enjoy it uh, and you'll hear that distinct uh, Thomas Newman sound just like the cue we played a couple of weeks ago from the Scent of a Woman very much still in that, uh, in that same vein so here's the, uh, the main title theme from American Beauty, written by Thomas Newman. We're going to take a pause with uh, listening to music for a few minutes and talk about film music. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to have uh, this guest with us. Uh, Matt Schrader is a director of a new documentary that is out that is simply called Score. And if this audience can't figure it out, I don't know who couldn't. It's obviously it's a it's a documentary about the. Uh, creative challenges and the technical challenges of creating a film score with a lot of behind-the-scenes footage and and interviews with lots of people that have inside knowledge about it. Not only, you know, like critics and technicians, but the actual composers themselves. It looks absolutely fabulous. And so, I hope you all join me in welcoming Matt Schrader to our microphones. Hi, Matt.
1: Hey there, Frank. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I really appreciate you joining us. And And I'm curious because, uh, I have a hard time sometimes finding people in my own life that are really into film music. And so I'm kind of curious, what was it that got you interested in film music from the beginning?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of an interesting story. And and this whole journey has been really, has been really the amazing part. It's kind of, uh, it's just kind of gravy that some other, some other people, that anybody else likes it, to be honest. But we've, we've had a pretty good, you know, reception so far um, from, from the public that's seen this. So it's all, it's been, it's been a thrill, but really the, the big adventure for us was being able to step into some of the studios of, you know, these, these guys that have made some of the most iconic music ever. I mean, I, I think of, um, you know, I, I, I'm of a younger generation. So some of the film music that I am really familiar with is, you know, some of the work that Hans Zimmer has done. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of, gladiator and you think of uh pirates of the caribbean you think of the dark Knight, and some of those things and and he's a guy who has has clearly you know you think of film music and some people still kind of think of it as as orchestral strictly orchestral and and he's one of those people with kind of a a record production background that that brought some of that character to and, and kind of merged it with an orchestra so there's there's an interesting thing happening and i think I think Hans Zimmer was kind of the start of that, that movement in a way that really kind of, it didn't ignore the orchestra like some things had and try to be separate from it, but it was almost saying, how can we use this as, as, as a, you know, one of a handful of tools and really make the most kind of evocative music we can. And I think that's what really uh captured my attention early on. I mean, as, as, as a kid growing up, I, I, I remember hearing film music. I remember, you know, but I, I don't know that I ever listened to it um by itself. It was something that kind of left a a lasting impression. I I uh you know, like running around in a backyard and and humming the theme from Indiana Jones because that's what oh, you yeah. do when you're outside, you know, like yeah. kind of a thing. And um and I I don't think I realized until much later on that that music Uh, has worked its way so far kind of into our, into our brains and into our hearts sometimes that it's, um, it's really, I mean, it, there's a really interesting story behind that and a really interesting way that that, that plays, uh, to, you know, not to be too cliche, but the way that that kind of plays into our lives that we remember something from some two hour experience that we had or hour and a half experience that we had. Um, but the reason that we remember those things is because the experience is so powerful. And, um, and so there's, there's, you know, a lot of kind of interesting things that we explore in the film, um, that were, were a lot of fun, kind of uncovering not only the way that things were written, um, you know, from famous, famous scores, uh, all through history, but also a little bit of kind of the, the weird kind of, you know, instruments that are used and the way that some of these composers think about, Creating a sound, um, from something from scratch sometimes, um, yeah. or finding broken instruments and playing something with broken instruments so that things don't sound right, but they still sound like they're being played in a way. So th- there's, it seems like there's, I've used the phrase endless horizon when it comes to kind of the future of film music, because I, I do think that it's kind of on the cutting edge of musical exploration. Um, because there's the ability to really focus on where you want the music to take you and what kind of crazy things you might be able to do to get you there. Um, uh, all the way back from, you know, from, uh, when it was a more traditional orchestra to today, where you see a lot of electronic components starting to kind of meld their way into things.
0: Now it, um, and if you've ever, perhaps you have, and I don't know if any in our audience has, but if you've ever watched a film that didn't have music, it was an unfinished cut. It's amazing how much difference the right music makes uh, in making a completed film. Um, yeah. So, so it, it it's it's it, you know, it just makes all the difference in the world, or. Or, and, and, like I've mentioned several times in my show, sometimes a, a, a not so great movie can be made a lot better because the score was so good.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about um, in the film, we show, a, a, you know, there's a little snippet that we, we uh, have several composers that talk about that famous scene, shower scene from Psycho. Mm-hmm. And. You know, there's that, that kind of horrifying music and, and probably m- most of your listeners know what I'm talking about because it's so sh- kind of striking and, yeah, it's and shocking. Yeah. Um, and it's something if you, if you take that out and it's just the sound of the shower, um, and it's just this, you know, it's, it's the actual sounds that would have happened in that, in that moment. Um, just, you know, a, a, a little bit of a struggle and just the sound of the shower. It's, it's not as horrifying
0: yeah it falls flat almost scary
1: and uh there's i I think you know we we encountered that there's a time for no music there absolutely is um, yes in a film but the fact that we notice when there's no music and the fact that we we uh, you know feel so much more kind of into the moment sometimes when there is music i think speaks to how Important that is as as uh, really a, a way of telling a story.
0: Yeah. So how did how did this documentary come about? What was it that uh, what was the genesis for it? Or how did how did you get the idea? Just kind of tell us a little bit
1: about well, that. Well, yeah. Um, a couple of the people that that ended up kind of launching into this early on with me, um, I had I had spoken about this idea to them years ago, and I actually thought uh, this this idea of a a documentary about film composers was so long overdue, you know, and I'm sure we're, we're living in a time right now where it's arguably the golden age of documentary filmmaking. There's so many fantastic documentaries out there and, and, and I really like them. I, I watch a lot of different documentaries. Um, so I was sure that a documentary would be made about film composers. I always found a lot of the little featurettes, you know, if you poke around on YouTube or on a, a, a DVD extra or something right. like that. You'll see some of those little featurettes that are are really interesting and really revealing. But it's kind of the you know we get to see some part of a score, and then we get to see you know kind of a little bit of of uh, of kind of behind the scenes video. But you don't really ever get to see how two and two come together to create for You just yeah. see kind of here's this guy working, and you know. Here's a reminder of what the score sounded like. Uh, so it's not, it's usually used as kind of an extra. And we wanted to take, um, that same kind of area of, of creativity and actually show the creativity and show, you know, what, what are some of those weird ideas that come to life? Um, do some of them fail? Do they all always work? Um, what happens if a director doesn't like, the score that their composers put together. What do you do then? Um, you know, there's a lot of really interesting things that I think happen when you're, you're making movies and, um, and the music, because you're, you're, you're writing this really powerful music that goes up against an image um, and a, and a story, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's just so much power that that music can have that, um, you know, that I think makes a big difference to us. So all along, I think probably the last 10 years or so I've, I've, uh, I've kind of wanted to see a movie like this. And at a certain point we realized, Hey, you know, we, we have the accent, we have some of the tools to be able to do this. I come from a news background, so I'm, I'm, I'm used to, you know, interviewing people and, and, uh, but ne- not for something long form like this. So yeah. that was the big jump, I think, to go from kind of a, a short form storytelling into something that was, was much broader. And I think we ended the film with, uh, with, you know, almost 60 interviews with different composers and, you know, a few directors. Uh, we interviewed James Cameron. Um, you know, we, we, we ended up with a pretty good, cast of people um and uh and really worked them all in so that hopefully you know the the audience comes away with a, a definitive look at the craft of film composing
0: yeah who are some of the the big names in terms of composers that you talked to that our audience might be familiar with
1: yeah well i everyone knows Hans zimmer so we, we right. spent some time with Hans zimmer and, and he was great in his studio um it's, uh, it looks like a lounge almost with, with some instruments in it. His, his, uh, his facility is really, really cool. Um, you can see a little bit of the visual inspiration that may lend itself to, uh, to, uh, some of the music maybe that he creates. But, um, but we have Hans Zimmer in the film. We have Danny Elfman in the film, um, mm-hmm. Trent Reznor, uh, and Atticus Ross, James Cameron, Randy Newman, uh, Quincy Jones, um, John Williams. Uh, Howard Shore, you know, a pretty good Thomas Newman, a good number of people um, who are really at kind of the the forefront of, uh, uh, you know, when you think of movie music, especially modern music, those are the guys you think of. And then we spent a little bit of time breaking down the evolution of this, too. So there's the Bernard Hermans, you know, and, and Danny Elfman in the film talks uh, a, a little bit about how Bernard Herman almost taught him a lesson that he ended up applying to Batman when he did Batman in 1989 huh. um, and how he could maybe break some rules that, that, uh, that, you know, you weren't supposed to do in film music. And I think there's, there's kind of a little bit of that evolution that you start to see in how this art form has developed. Um, and really there's not only kind of a science to it, but there's, there's a real level of expression as well.
0: Oh yeah now you know for for an older guy like me, I'm curious did you uh I guess probably because this program this project is fairly recent, you didn't have an opportunity to to interview someone like a goldsmith or a, or a John Barry, i take it
1: no um there were they are in the film um, mm. but it's it's archival material for
2: the oh, okay. right? so
1: we we asked some other people, some modern kind of composers about their legacy and what that meant to film music so there's there's a really kind of interesting takeaway that we get from that um you know un- unfortunately they they uh they weren't uh i think jerry just passed away fairly recently just a few yeah, years ago yeah a couple I'd years passed.
0: ago i think and john barry in 2011
1: yeah right right so um so you know we would have loved to uh to you know be able to to be in the room with them as they were working on some of these things but um i think uh you know, we, we do spend some time. I mean, a really interesting thing, honestly, was, was, uh, Alfred Newman, um, right at the beginning of, uh, kind of the, the history of film scoring, you know, it was kind of, it was Alfred Newman, it was Max Steiner. um, it was, you know, some of these guys that are thought of as legends in, um, in the film composer world. And, and Alfred Newman, of course, is the father now of, of David Newman and of Thomas Newman. So there's kind of a, and Randy Newman's, I think, uncle. Cousin maybe? or something like that. Yeah. 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 There's some, uh, family connection there. Um, but that's an interesting thing too is kind of that legacy being, being passed down through the generations and how that's changed. Cause Thomas Newman's music sounds nothing like his father's, you know, it's, it's, oh, yeah. kind of, it's very different. Um, but maybe there's, you know, you can kind of hear a few of the same kind of orchestral, you know flourishes that maybe maybe his dad brought as well so you know we talk a little bit about that evolution how that took place over the years especially you know jazz comes in in the 1950s and 60s and uh you know there's the james bond theme and there's you know the pink panther and uh, i think streetcar named desire was the the first film to really use jazz as a score and um and you know those are things that were mind-blowing to a lot of a lot of musicians that worked in film they thought how could this possibly work and now you know we're we're at a point where we understand a film can have a lot of different types of music even in the same film you could have you know something that sounds like uh you know almost a hip-hop kind of a sound that could be in the same thing as something orchestral you could look at something like uh straight out of compton a couple years ago that that is you know an interesting way that very different music somehow kind of were, they were able to work together, but that idea is still something that's fairly new. And I think we're still kind of exploring that in film music and, and how that can work. Um, and even whether it works sometimes, maybe it doesn't all the time, but, um, but jazz, especially that was a, a big moment where I think a lot of people started to realize you don't necessarily need to have a 90 piece, hundred piece orchestra playing, your tune, if there's maybe a story that would call for a different type of instrumentation.
0: Oh, yeah. I, <clears throat> I always think of Body Heat, which, and you know, it still has an orchestra, but, uh-huh. but that was very much a jazz score, and it really, it helped tell the story just because of the kind of movie it was. It just really lent itself to that style of jazz. So, um, yes. before we wrap up, I'm, I'm curious because I don't, I don't know if you have a, a, a planned, a wide release of this film or not. You're currently, I think, playing in certain film festivals, and obviously one of them being here in my backyard, the Louisiana International Film Festival. How, how important is it to an independent filmmaker to, to have this avenue of distribution where they have film festivals like the Louisiana International Film Festival?
1: Yeah, I mean, the film festival thing, and I, I didn't really understand this before, I think I had been to maybe two film festivals in my life up till, till when we started, uh, Kind of going around in in some different cities for the film festivals, but these were a big deal. And the reason why is um, most of these films can't you know it's it's expensive to get a film playing in a lot of different theaters, and these film festivals become a really uh, a really kind of amazing. It's almost like a museum that that opens up you know once a year, and you get to see all of these really interesting and unique ideas that have been expressed over the last year. Um, and some of them are ones that, you know, for, for whatever financial reason, creative reason, um, political reason, whatever it may be, there are reasons that certain films may not be released to the public. And, but that are fantastic films. And we've, we've seen a handful of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and really those film festivals are where a lot of those start to, you know, really stand out and shine. Um, we, we do plan to, uh, to have a limited release right now at theaters. We're lucky enough to, to have some traction from our, our, uh, our, our film festivals and our partners at, uh, Gravitas Ventures now that, that are going to be putting us in a number of cities. Um, we're not sure exactly which ones, but I believe New Orleans is one of them. Okay. Uh, good. and so, uh, so, you know, we're very lucky to, uh, to be able to do that, um, not all films get that chance. Um, but the film festival and Louisiana International Film Festival um, are really, uh, you know, I, 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 not to sound cliche, but they're they're really important to the the culture and being able to see these different ideas that are not something that are commonplace. Um, and you know, be able to sit down in the theater and experience this kind of breath of fresh air instead of just the the latest kind of big blockbuster and I, I not to put those down we focus a lot on on the blockbusters and some of the tunes from those those are the ones sure. that we all know but um but there's something that's that's really uh kind of powerful about uh you know being able to see a creative film that's a little bit different from what you might expect from you know an action adventure movie or or a romantic comedy that uh that you might kind of think of as the yeah, I mean, kind of film.
0: You you talked about golden age. I think it's the golden age of the independent filmmaker as well because it it's become far more accessible for people to be able to produce and make films and and the, mm-hmm. you know, distribution could be on YouTube for all I know. But I mean, it, it, it the possibilities are endless, and that's that's good for everybody for the, not only for the the film going public, but obviously for the filmmakers as well. Yeah, um, absolutely, uh, Matt. I I wish we had more time. Unfortunately, we don't, but I, I'm really excited about seeing this. Uh, you and I just talked about it off air. I believe at the Louisiana International Film Festival, the uh, this documentary score will be shown on the 23rd of April, which is uh, Sunday. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Pardon me, I think it's at 2.15, if memory serves. Uh, so yeah. it'll be shown then. And uh, so if you happen to be in the Baton Rouge area, we would love to have you come out and uh, check that film out. And the over 70 yeah, other go. films that are... That are going to be available at the film festival over the weekend. Um, I, I, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I, I hope we get to meet in person one day. I, I know you interviewed a friend of mine, John Burley game. I would have liked to have gotten into talking about him a little bit, yeah. but, uh, uh, just terrific. I, if the trailer is well, any you. indication, this is going to be just a fabulous documentary. So I appreciate you joining us. I hope people go out and see the film here at the film festival in Baton Rouge, April 20th through the 23rd. Uh, thanks again, Matt. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Frank. I appreciate it.
0: hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I uh, enjoyed conducting it. Uh, very nice gentleman, and it really does have a, a, a great list of people that are involved with it, uh, composers. I mean, Hans Zimmer and John Williams and uh, Danny Elfman, just to name a few. Uh, and he told me, I think, uh, I think it was uh, some of the other composers, like ones that I like that have since passed on, Uh, they've used archive footage and so it will uh, have some some uh, pieces on there about Jerry Goldsmith and and John Barry to name a couple uh, that they were able to get from archive material so it really will explore uh, not only all the composers that have uh, helped define what film music is uh, but again that kind of behind the scenes look of what goes in to create a film score and I think you'll be quite amazed at a lot of the work that does go into creating a finished product uh, and the timing that's involved and the precision, I guess, if you will. Uh, so I think this film will will be well worth your while. I hope you can make it to the film festival to see it. Uh, but if not, look for it. It's going to be playing in limited release in some major cities. Uh, and I believe you can go to their website also and, and order the DVD once uh, once it's been in that general release. Uh, so, let's move along. We have a uh, a great piece here that I would like to play for you. That has uh, special meaning for me in a couple of ways. Uh, I remember one of the movies that I really enjoyed watching uh, with my parents um, was on Golden Pond. <clears throat> Pardon me, with Catherine Hepburn and uh, Henry Fonda it was a very poignant film in a beautiful location that uh talked a lot about aging and how it affects not only the person who's who's growing older but those that love uh, love them and how it affects them uh some of the music that was in that was just fit the film perfectly uh, and this, uh, main title sequence is no, no different. Uh, the music was written by Dave Grusin, and, uh, who's pretty much a jazz composer, musician, but he has done films, uh, and several of his scores I really like. Another one, The Fabulous Baker Boys, which will, no doubt will feature in a future episode. Uh, but this main title music from On Golden Pond just touches touches my soul and hopefully it'll touch yours it does a very good job of explaining the story that you're about to watch as uh, as that movie unfolds uh and i've also used that music as a way to uh in my previous life as a recovering innkeeper because i did used to own a bed and breakfast i used this some of this music to uh help convey what it was like to stay at our place and i think it really matched well for that as well so I hope you sit back and just kind of imagine yourself on a lazy summer day sitting on the banks of a a nice lake in New Hampshire enjoying the weather and let this music take you away for a little bit. This is the main title music from On Golden Pond written by Dave Grusin. I couldn't do a show without at least uh, playing a couple of cues from the library of John Barry. The first one I'm going to play is uh, from the film Midnight Cowboy. And it's not the theme that most people are familiar with, though we will certainly play that at some point. Uh, This cue is called Florida Fantasy, and it is what it sounds like, uh, the title. Uh, It's the main character, Dustin Hoffman's character, kind of dreaming and thinking about being in Florida uh the music is very bizarre but it's been used a lot outside of the film for various tv shows and whatnot and it'll show you that uh, uh John Barry's not just all about lush orchestral arrangements uh, he was one of the first people to actually use electronic uh sounds in uh in films uh synthesizers when they were first coming out uh and this is one example of exactly that so uh it's a little bit different but uh, sit back and enjoy Florida Fantasy from the film Midnight Cowboy, music by John Barry. Or something uh, completely different from the maestro John Barry um, back in the early 1990s he did a uh, score for a film and he was nominated for an Oscar for it uh, but didn't win uh, it was a biopic on the life of Charlie Chaplin and the film was called Simply Chaplin he really captured the mood and the spirit of the film it was not a comedy although there were funny bits in it For those of you that are familiar, Chaplin had a rather tragic life uh, and had a lot of uh, very difficult spots in his life, uh, either through lost loves or uh, uh, people that perished while he was in love with them. Uh, It was a lady that I think uh, had died that he was wanting to marry. Uh, It it was a very difficult life, and the music really helps communicate those trials and tribulations that Charlie goes through. Uh, this cue is basically the, the end titles uh, from the film and also incorporates uh, music from a, a song called Smile, which some people uh, may not be aware was actually written by Charlie Chaplin. Uh, in fact, that song tells you a lot about Chaplin and how he tried to approach life, even though it was really difficult at times. And Barry does a fabulous job of incorporating that uh, in, into the, uh, the end titles. So it, it incorporates the uh, main theme from Chaplin as well as, uh, Chaplin's, uh, melody music from, uh, Smile. So sit back and relax. This will really almost in itself tell you what the movie is like and what it's about, uh, when you listen to it. This is the, uh, the end titles from the film Chaplin, music by John Barry Our last cue today is from a fabulous film and a a score that I just adored that I thought went so well with the film and the subject matter. Uh, Forrest Gump was a really revolutionary movie in many ways uh, from a technical standpoint, but certainly its uh, music was married perfectly with what the narrative was in the story. And so what I'm going to play for you here is... um, uh, I believe it is from the end titles, but it does a nice job of kind of capturing a lot of the different main themes that were used all throughout the movie. Uh, it's a rather long cue, but uh, well worth it. Uh, we'll come back on at the end when it finishes. I hope you sit back and enjoy uh, the end titles from the film Forrest Gump, written by Alan Silvestri. So ends this week's edition of What's the Score? I hope you've enjoyed our selections today and also our interview with the director of the documentary score. Uh, I hope you join us next week as well where I have more uh, terrific selections from music from the movies. So for What's the Score, I'm Frank Wilson. So long.